God, we love you, and you are amazing, and uh, just can't say that enough. And so today, as we come before you, we open up your word, and we look at it. I pray that uh, it would not just be uh, pixels on a screen or uh, letters on a piece of paper for us, but uh, you would make it come alive, that you would make it real to us, that you would uh, take uh, the word that you've given us and do something supernatural in our lives with it, that uh, it would just be living and breathing and that it would just consume us, God. That's what we want. And so as we look at these things, I pray that you'd help us, that you'd open our minds to understand, that you'd open our hearts to receive, and that you would just do only what you can do in our lives through your living word. That's our prayer today, and we love you, and it's in your name. Amen. So before I jump into this, I do want to say thank you guys for last week. And if you weren't here, uh, the message kind of went a direction that I didn't necessarily intend. And I shared some things uh, basically just about depression and how that's something that I've struggled with. And I've been encouraged all week by you guys. And so I appreciate that. And I just want to let you in on sort of a not-so-secret secret about being a pastor. And here's what it is. Every message is personal. And I don't mean personal as in I'm looking at you wondering who I can preach to. I'm saying that God preaches at me first every time. And then he will continue during this message while you're hearing this. He's going to preach at me some more. Um, but one of the things that comes with studying the Bible like a lot or intensely, I guess you could say, is that uh, there's this acute awareness of how lame I am in comparison to God. You know, anytime we measure ourselves up to him, we get a true picture of, of where we are in that whole thing. But uh, my capacity to teach as your pastor is embedded in this belief that I have that we're walking through stuff together. It's not one guy coming up here and spouting off all of the answers to the life universe and everything. Some of you will get that. Um, but it, it's, it's one guy walking with a bunch of other guys and gals through this thing, through this walk, trying to follow our Savior. That's what it is. And so um, we share hardships as a part of that. We share challenges Uh, And it's where, like, his grace and his mercy and his love kind of all come together to sort of make this big mess we call Desperation Church. And I love it. And I love you guys. So I just want to say thank you. Uh, So we have an opportunity in that. I do want to say this. Where if we're open to it and we embrace that, because, you know, we all have our stuff, right? If we embrace that, then God can, like, flood our hearts and he can uh, heal every one of us right where we're at today. He can heal through a message. He can heal through worship. He can heal through anything. And I, I truly believe that. So we have this moment together, and we are going to take full advantage of it. So with all of that in mind, we've chosen September to celebrate what we call Prayer Month. Let me try that again. Prayer Month. Right? So the idea of Prayer Month is that we spend a month focusing on prayer. Not that we don't focus on it normally, but we really say September, man, we are going to focus on prayer. And so that's what we're doing. And so what that will look like here, and we've done it several different ways in the past. But what that's going to look like is that you're going to see some prayer opportunities as a part of these services that are maybe different or extended or a little bit uh, different flavored than maybe you're uh, used to. 
We're also going to be doing, we've done this through email in the past, but we're going to try this on social media this year. And so Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, starting today, we're going to be posting uh, little encouragements to pray for specific things. And what's cool about that is if you follow us on any of those things or all of those things, people in your extended network will see those too. And so it could be that we'd have tons and tons of people praying for these things and not just um, our community. And then we are also going to have what I'm calling some special prayer challenges along the way. Because I know some of you people on your apps, the reason that you love them is because you get little badges. And so, gold stars for everybody, okay? That's what we're working on. So, seriously, though, I'm excited. And so, we thought, what would be more appropriate than to start a series on prayer as well? So, we're going to talk about prayer for at least a month, several weeks. And I'm kind of excited about it. I am. Because when we start praying and we really believe that God can move through that, He does. He just shows up. And so... First thing that I do, of course, is I want to read, okay, what are people saying in the world about prayer right now? So I looked up, of course, you know, what you would do. You would Google it, right? So I Googled, you know, recent articles about prayer. And I came across this one, and I thought it was interesting. This is according to The Guardian. So politics aside, if you don't read The Guardian in the UK, that's fine, whatever, I don't care. But they did a recent survey, and this is the most recent one that I could find. And they shared these facts. I thought that they were important to consider. They found that one in five adults... Pray despite saying that they're not religious. That one right there is just interesting to me. But then they go on to say that just over half of all adults in the United Kingdom pray and that they are increasingly likely to call on God while engaged in activities such as cooking or exercising. And if you've ever exercised, you can relate to calling on God for prayer in the midst of that, right? Yes, maybe cooking, depending on how you do it, I can understand, right? So... That's understandable. One in three people pray in a place of worship. Okay, that makes sense, although I wish that number were higher. And then you go on to say just under half of those who pray said that they believe that God hears their prayers. So half of all of those people that are praying, only half, believe that God's actually going to hear the prayers that they're praying. Which suggests that there's the slim majority of people, right, that expect that God's answering their prayers. And then 4 in 10 go further, saying that prayer changes the world. A similar number say it makes them feel better. Philip Yancey is an author, and if you've not read any of his books, they're pretty good. They're, they're interesting. And he writes from a kind of a, a journalistic perspective is kind of how I would describe it. But he has a book that's called Prayer is God Listening. And he interviewed ordinary people, just everyday Joes like you and me and Janes, and found out that they rank prayer... When they talk about it, they rank prayer as very important in their lives. But then they go on to say that they're very dissatisfied with prayer in practice. So it's super important to them. They know it's important, but the actual experience of prayer in their lives is a struggle. And he lists all kinds of uh, statistics about it, which are interesting if you want to check that out. But here's what he said. Many of those I talked to experienced prayer more as a burden than as a pleasure. They regarded it as important, even paramount, and felt guilty about their failure, blaming themselves. And so then you start to look at maybe history, and you look at the spiritual giants, you know, like George Muller or Susanna Wesley or Jonathan Edwards and many, many others who spent four, maybe five hours a day in prayer, many of that occurring before anyone else was awake. And you're like, Wow. But then for us, it can be a struggle to pray at all. And I'm right there with you guys. So if you're bracing yourself for the, you need to pray a whole lot more sermon, this is not that sermon, okay? So take a deep breath. You're good. 
okay, just relax. Everything's going to be fine. Here's what I want to talk about today. It's, it's this. Prayer is not a duty. It is devotion. Prayer is not a duty. It's devotion. I almost called this series everything you wanted to know about prayer, but were afraid to ask. But that then would have assumed that I had all the answers for you, and then that would have been a real mess, okay? So uh, if I'm honest, I have a lot of questions about prayer too. I think if you've been walking with God for any time at all, you probably have questions about prayer as well. Maybe you're not used to a pastor saying, hey, I don't have the answers, but listen, if you're in this church, you better get used to it because just ask my wife, she'll tell you. Anyway, so I want to have an open discussion about this. I want to talk about this and talk about the challenges that we face with prayer because I think if we can do that, it will change our perspective, and that's what's necessary. So uh, in Yancey's book, he does a great job of summing up some of these questions, and so I just want to show them to you real quick. Uh, the first question, why should God care about me, right? If, if I'm praying, why should God care about that? Or the second one, if God knows everything, what's the point of prayer? Why don't I just think beam it to him? Mm, okay, there you go, God. That's what I just thought. Okay, you got it, right? Why do I need to pray? Why is it important? Or why do, prayer, why do answers to prayer seem inconsistent and even capricious, which means unpredictable or unreliable? Why does God seem sometimes really close and then yet sometimes really far away when I try to pray? Does prayer change God or does prayer change me or does prayer even make any difference? So I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you would be brave enough to admit that you've had one or more of these questions about prayer at some point in your spiritual walk? And I'm going to raise both hands just so that, okay, yeah, right. Lots of questions about prayer. And so... um, I'm with you, you know. It, it, sometimes it's hard to understand how it all works, and I don't understand necessarily how prayer works like on an intricate level, but I do know that praying or prayer is mentioned 371 times in Scripture. That's the King James Version, if you want to check that out for yourself. So it must be important, right? If it, if, I mean, you look at Scripture and you look at people having conversations with God all the way through. It has to be important. There has to be something to it. And so... Uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to unpack this, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to look at it from different angles, and we're going to even talk about some practical application stuff and ways that we can live this out. So as I do that, I've never done this before. This is going to be interesting. I invite you, if you have questions about prayer, send them to me. My email address is bill, B-I-L, at desperationchurch.org. That's one L. And if you can't find that, just up on our website, you can do it that way. If you have questions, questions you've always wondered about prayer, or if you have comments, like moments, maybe stories where prayer has worked in your life or things have happened in your life as a result of prayer, I want to hear those too. Anything that you have, I want you to send it to me, and uh, we'll talk about some of those things in the coming weeks. And then I also want to mention one other thing, one other short commercial. So you guys are aware that we have community groups, and those are starting very soon. Uh, when those launch on that week, we're going to try something different. And what we're calling this is our Digging Deep Sessions. And what these are, they're just a response to some of the requests that we've had for deeper study. And so it, what it's going to look like is we're going to come into a room here, not sure which one yet, and we are going to unpack the sermon from that week. And here's the thing. It's not going to be me up here talking. It's not going to be one person preaching or teaching. It is going to be a community discussion. There's so much stuff that I uncover that I can't talk about because we don't have time. And so there's going to be a lot of those things that we throw out there. But the invitation is for you to be here as a part of that study, to bring your Bible, and to actually... 
talk about it. So like if you have an experience or if you have a comment or I mean, those are all valid and we want to share in that. And so it will be a moderated discussion. So someone will come with some things prepared, but all you have to do is show up with your Bible and not even having heard the message. If you missed it that week, it's okay. Come anyway, because we're going to have a really good discussion. And the goal of this is we want to grow as disciples. And so we want to provide uh, sort of feet on the ground opportunities to study and learn together. And I'm excited about that conversation. And don't worry, you won't hurt my feelings if you show up and say, you know, I didn't really agree with that, Pastor Bill. That thing that you said about uh, coffee, coffee's terrible. See, you're not going to hurt my feelings. It's okay, because I know what I love, okay? So it's all good. Anyway, back to this. Make your voice heard in that conversation. I want you to be here. For our purposes today, though, when we're talking about prayer, so far it's been very academic, right? I've shown you some facts. I've shown you some comments. This is not going to be an academic exercise, because prayer, I do believe, is a conversation with God. Prayer is a conversation with God. And I believe if we're honest about the doubts and the fears and the things that we struggle with regarding prayer, that God will meet us in the middle of that discussion. He is not the author of confusion. He wants us to know him. That is his desire. We talked about that last week. He, he pursues us, right? He made the first overture to us. For God so loved that unqualified, right? He made the first overture. So he wants to be clear. He wants us to understand. He wants us to connect. And here's the deal. Out of all of that, he has the answers. That's what I'm confident in. So when you might think I'm up here with a lot of bravado, yeah, send me your questions. I'll be your Bible answer, man. No, I'm not going to be that guy. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take those things to God and we're going to talk about them. So that's what that'll look like. So a mentor of mine once described prayer, and this has always stuck with me. This is my go-to definition. Prayer is transforming communication between God and man or God and woman, okay? Either way, it works. Hotline's always open, okay? Transforming communication between God and people. Now, communication involves, it, it, when you say the word communication, it implies some things. It implies speaking and listening, right? Because there's no communication if you're just talking. Communication also implies a loving relationship with somebody, if you're really communicating. And then it also, in this case, involves obedience and change, because that's the goal, right? God wants to change our hearts. He wants to shape us to be more uh, like him. And so transformation, anything that you're going to transform, requires something. Transformation requires power. Have you ever thought about that? And we're going to go 80s here. But do you remember the Transformers, the robots in disguise? <laughs> right? And they would... They would turn into a Lamborghini, and then they turned into a robot. Well, they could not have done that without power, without the AllSpark, if you're familiar with the Transformers mythology. Right? They had to have the AllSpark. If they didn't have the power, they couldn't do that. And so transformation requires power. But here's the thing. When we're talking about prayer, we're talking about transformation and power. We serve a God who has limitless power. Limitless. Limitless power. Okay? And that power, he's gracious enough to share it with us, to give it to us, because he wants to change our lives. So if we believe, and I hope that we do, that God still speaks today, and that prayer stands as the place that God and human beings get together to do that speaking, then why does prayer seem to be so difficult for us? Like, why is it so hard? So what I'd like to suggest today is that it's all about perspective. And so we are going to go deep into the roots here. The ancient Jews believed that prayer began with an intentional awareness of God's presence. For us to know before whom 
we are standing. An awareness of when you're standing there in prayer, who you're talking to and why it's important. It's an inward posture of the heart that preceded the outward posture for prayer. Let me say that again. It's the inward posture of our hearts. Like our hearts had to be in the right place so that we would understand the outward part of what we were about to do. I mean, it's the same thing like when you see in worship maybe somebody bowing down. They didn't just decide. I mean, they may have just decided to bow down. I think it can work both ways. But oftentimes what was happening is something's happening in their hearts. And the bowing down is an expression of that. Or the raising of hands, right? When you raise your hands in prayer or in worship. People are like, well, what's that all about? It's an outward expression of what's happening in our hearts. I mean, think about that limitless God and connecting with him and the overwhelmingness of his presence. Sometimes all you can do is respond with this or with this or with, oh, or with whatever it is because, like, he's God. And his presence is here and you're like, I don't even know what to do with myself, right? Has anyone ever felt that way before? Yeah. I hope so, right? It's good. So... In other words, when we become truly aware of who we're speaking to in prayer, we're also instantly aware of our need and the great privilege that it is to be speaking to him. So as we're talking about this power to transform, all you have to do is look at Scripture, and you can see that creation... All the creation that surrounds us is evidence of how awesome and mighty our God is. And you know me. I love to talk about this stuff. I had to edit a lot. Hebrews 1.10 is what I'm throwing at you here. You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. You could stop there and just think about what that would look like, okay? Like a watchmaker? Or is it even smaller? They will perish, but you remain, right? They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And then in Romans, Paul, he states that there's no excuse for those who would reject or ignore God because he has made himself known, and that's in Romans 1.20. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. But I think sometimes we get caught up in our own little world, right? In our little, we go into birthday mode, right? This day is about me. Every day is about me, right? Sometimes we do that with God. Why didn't I get that promotion? Why did that kid win that really cool Nintendo Switch out of the machine and not me? True story. I'll tell it another time. We lose perspective sometimes. And so I think this is really good. And so I want to show you a quick video. You've probably seen this or something like it, but I think this is important.
It's not my video, so don't get mad at me. So, <laughs> so here's the thing about that. I need that kind of perspective. I do. I, I, when someone starts talking about millions and billions, I just think for us as human beings, those kinds of numbers, our brains don't really work that well with them. And so to see that helps me kind of put these things in perspective. But here's the thing and how it relates to prayer. The God that made everything seen, okay, that's seen, all the billions of galaxies that we've not seen, but then the unseen things, because there's a whole world of unseen things, the God that made both of those, from the largest star to the most distant galaxy down to the very smallest element that makes up matter, or even smaller. I have this whole theory that space is infinite, and so is the microscopic world. I'm not a scientist. I have no way to prove that, but that's what I think. I think both are infinite. And then you start talking about like the distance between atoms and all this crazy stuff, and then my brain starts to go, whoa! But anyway, the one true living God created all of that. All of it. Every bit of it. And he's waiting to communicate with you. He wants to connect with us in conversation with him through prayer. How can that conversation not make a difference in our lives? I don't know how to do any of that. But the one that does wants to speak to us. So maybe you're thinking, great, now I'm terrified about this whole prayer thing. Talking to him? Well, you know what? The psalmist was too, and here's what he said. First, why should God care about me is the question. Someone that big, someone that immense, someone that all-powerful, all-knowing, why would he care about me? Why would he care? Here's the answer to that question. Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? And here's the good news, guys. Because of Jesus as our mediator, as the one who went before us, we can now come before the creator boldly. The one who made all of that, we can go before him boldly and with confidence. And that's in Ephesians 3, verses 11 and 12. So here's the deal. If God is distant, if he seems distant to you, it doesn't have to be that way. James, chapter 4, verses 8 and 10. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And then verse 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. The ball, ladies and gentlemen, is in our court. God has already made the overture to us. He's already started the conversation. And sometimes, I'll be honest, when I read promises like this in the Bible, sometimes I'm super encouraged and I'm like really hyped up, like I'm the... the Hyper giant or whatever that was that they mentioned there. That, if that word had been around when I was a gawky teenager, that's what I would have been called probably. But like sometimes I get really excited when I read these things. I'm like, yes, that's for me, God. That's amazing. But then there's other times I read them and I feel like, man, 
That's hard to hear because I don't see like this evidence of that in my life. Like, yeah, I get it. And I know that that's the promise, but I don't know how to get there. So Wednesday, I I normally start my sermon prep on Tuesday and I get up pretty early to do that just to get a head start on it. Uh, We're off on Mondays. And so then Wednesday, I was really struggling with this, like this message, all of it, just to stay focused. I had all these things on my mind. Uh, There were 50 million things happening like outside of preparing for this too. And I'm sure that that's totally your guys' lives too, that you have a lot of things happening. But I just kept feeling like I was hitting a wall. And I can't explain it. It's just, that's just what it was. And so when I try to, uh, when I get ready to prepare um, for teaching a series or if I'm going to go through a book, the way that I usually do that is I will gather like all the resources, uh, like all the things that I want to look at. And so I'll just get them all together and I will just start reading through stuff and just digging into it. And so, of course, I don't need to go into all that, but it's a lot usually. I just try to get my hands on as many different materials as I can so that I can have a lot of perspectives. And so right now I have a bunch of different prayer books that I'm going through just to, I wanted to kind of see all the flavors of that. And there's one book in particular that I came across. And I'm just going to say that it wouldn't be like my normal MO. This particular book is not one that I say, oh, I'm going to pick that up off the shelf and read it. It just, I feel like that God led me to it and there it was. And so in this book, the author talks about praying about everything. And when I say everything, she goes into excruciating detail to talk about praying for every little thing. Even, true story, what detergent she needs to choose that will remove the stain on a piece of clothing that she really likes. So when I say that, I'm not making fun of it. I'm just saying that there's a part of me that just kind of feels like, you know what, God, you gave me common sense, and, and I don't need to bother you with every little thing that's going on in my life right now. Like, that, that's how I look at that. So I know that there are people that live in that world, and I understand that. Um, but you know what? This author is really making me rethink that. She really is. Uh, noting that, and here's what she says, that if God invites us to cast our cares on him, and it's something that we care about, Shouldn't we follow the instruction of that scripture and actually do what it says? I mean, just like parents with kids, right? If your kid comes to you and they need something or they want something, I mean, sometimes the answer is no, and that's just how it is. But if you can do something for your child and your child has a concern or a worry or a care, I mean, how many parents are not going to do whatever they could to help that child, right? Our father's the same way. With us. So there I was sitting in my usual place of study, the coffee shop, and I'm thinking about all of the stuff that I had yet to do because I was not comfortable at all. And usually I'm at a certain point and I was not there. And God tells me to get up and leave. (laughs) Okay. Where are we going? He doesn't say. Pack your stuff and get out. Just to be clear, no one had asked me to leave. I didn't do anything wrong. Something in my spirit, I would call it a voice, said, you need to get up and leave. That's how you're going to work through this. All right. So I got in my car. I had no idea where I was going. And as I came to the crossroads, like there, God says, turn left. All right, turn left. And so before long, with each little opportunity to go a different direction, and so I started throwing out suggestions. Oh, you want me to go to the other coffee shop? No. <laughs> right? Dang, dang it, right? 
So a few of those, and I finally end up here at D.C. And you're like, oh, that big deal. I end up here at D.C. in a prayer room. By the way, in case you don't know, we do have one. It's right there at the top of the stairs. And I do love that room. But it's not, like, it's not part of the normal MO for a Wednesday, okay? I have a way that I do things, right? And so I was nowhere done with any of my work. I just had this feeling, this voice that kept speaking to me, and it would not quit. And so I followed the instructions. And so I asked God where I'm going after the directions, and right, we've got here. Here we are. And so beginning anything is the hardest step. And I can get easily distracted, as you well know. And so I'm like, God, I don't have time to be doing whatever this is. I mean, are you asking me to pray? What are you asking me to do? So before long, I had all of my stuff, my materials spread out on the floor of the prayer room. And I was thinking about where to start, like what passage, because that is kind of, I mean, the Bible has a lot of stuff in it, right? And so, okay, God, I've taught about like so many passages of prayer. I could talk about this. I could talk about this. What do you want me to do? Didn't hear anything. So, okay, I'm going to pray about this. And so I stopped and I prayed and I said, God, where do you want me to teach from? And I heard a voice say, Psalms. And so I got excited at first until I realized that there are hundreds of Psalms. <laughs> right? And God does that. I totally think he has a sense of humor. I think he just, it's like, okay, let's see. You're going to come along with me. Let's see what we're going to do here. So, so, okay, God, there are a lot of Psalms in that Bible. Which one is it? Nothing. <laughs> so I'm like, come on, it was so cool the first time. Can't you do it again? So then I started to think, well, maybe I need to pray again. So I did. I prayed, okay, God, what is it? Can you be more specific, please? Which Psalm do you want me to sing to see? So I waited. And then again, I heard a voice whisper, and I don't know how much time passed, and he said, 63. It's like, okay, there's hundreds. I know there's a Psalm 63. This is really good. So I grabbed my tablet, and I opened it up to Psalm 63, and I was ruined. Ruined. You really want to know what it is, don't you? Here we go. Psalm 63. And by the way, I should preface this, that this is David. He's in the wilderness of Judah, and he's on the run. Uh, he's starving, and he doesn't have water. And here's what he says. Oh, God, you are my God, and earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So here's David on the run in the wilderness, desperate. Without, he's talking about, I mean, without basic resources here, ladies and gentlemen, right? Food and water are things that we need to live. He's out in the wilderness, so he doesn't even have shelter. And here he is, and the thing that he says is, any need that I have is completely overshadowed by my need for God. He's saying, I'm desperate for you, God. 
I will not be satisfied by anything other than what you have for me. Your presence, your love, it's life to me. So when he does this and he's proclaiming this over basic needs, he's saying, listen, life without you, Lord, is nothing. Even if I had all this other stuff in abundance, and he goes on to talk about some of that stuff. Without it, I'd rather die than be without you. This is true for us, guys. This is truth. Our lives are consumed by things that we believe will make us happy. Everywhere we go, people buy this, try this, do this, go here. This will make you happy. This will solve all of your problems. Look at these people. They're happy because they're doing this. And so we fill up our days with everything but the one thing that truly satisfies And that is communion with King Jesus. Communion as in communing with or a conversation with the king. We will not find the satisfaction that we're talking about here in anything other than a relationship with our Messiah, with Yeshua, with Jesus. And so prayer is intimacy with God. And I believe that that's the beginning of finding that satisfaction, that connection, that place where you can cast all your cares, where you can unpack all of your needs, where you can have a conversation, where you can ask questions, where you can say, what do you want me to do? And then listen. We can commune with the Lord today. He wants to have an ongoing conversation with all of us. And that's just what prayer is. It's a conversation. So today, we actually get to share in communion with each other. Let me just say that the conversation that we're having, it starts and it ends with Jesus. He's our Messiah. And it's through him alone that we can approach our creator. The one that made all of that, right? All the stuff that we've been talking about. He's the one that made it all. And we can approach the creator and we can find that same friendship with him as Adam and Eve had. If you go back to that story, you remember they were just hanging out in the garden naked and happy. Now I'm not suggesting that necessarily unless your garden is a secluded location, but they're just hanging out right with their creator. They're just talking with him. And I'm sure they had lots of questions, right? I mean, this is the beginning of everything. What is that? Well, Adam, what did you name it? Well, it's a turtle. I like the turtle. The turtle is smiling. It makes me happy, right? Like, who knows what they talked about, but they had to have tons and tons and tons of questions. And we don't even know how long that stretch of time was, but I imagine they had years of conversing with their creator before the fall. And then suddenly when that happened, it disrupted everything. And that line of connection, there was something in it that was broken, but it doesn't have to be that way. Listen, Hebrews 10 says this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, his sacrifice. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. 
and our bodies washed with pure water. Listen, when we give all that up to him, when we take it and we lay it before him, like I talked about earlier, when we put it at his feet, we say, listen, I cannot do this without you. I need you. I need you to forgive me. I need you to cleanse me. I need you to walk with me. Teach me. This is a promise that he will do just that and that we can come in boldly. I love that. So today, as we prepare to share in communion together, if you guys would just bow your hearts with me, I just want you to consider something. I want you to think about your relationship with Jesus. Do you find yourself in communion with him? Or when it comes to prayer, do you find yourself more often just running to him when you're desperate or in need? Now, he does invite us to cast our cares on him. But he also wants to guide and direct the cares of our day through conversation. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24 say, Examine me. God and know my heart test me and know my thoughts see if there is in me any hurtful way and lead me along the eternal way now that hurtful way that that mentions there might be different than the translation that you're used to but I love that because the hurtful way could be the things that we do to ourselves the hurtful way could be the things that others have done to us. But ultimately, we serve a God who wants to deal with any hurt that we have. He wants to lead us His way. So as we worship, I'd like for you to just take a moment and examine your heart in that manner. Let God examine your heart and test you and know your thoughts and Make that a prayer. If you need to find a space in this room to do that, I encourage you to do so. But it will require a conversation with the king. Earlier, we talked about how that inward posture of the heart preceded all outward postures of prayer. And like I said earlier, I believe that's true. But sometimes in an outward posture of prayer, whether it's kneeling or bowing down or lifting our hands, it can signal our hearts to become ready. So again, I invite you to make this space yours and do that and ask the Lord, is there any obstacle or is there any barrier interfering with my relationship with you? Is your love better than life to me? Am I desperate enough for you, Jesus? Jesus.